everyone. Welcome to HR Works, brought to you by BLR. I'm your host, Steve Bruce. HR Works provides clear, relevant, actionable information on topics that matter to HR professionals. When you're armed with best practices, plus the knowledge to keep your organization in compliance, HR works. There's a sea change going on in the world of performance appraisals. Many organizations are moving away from the once-a-year focus on past performance to a system with more frequent encounters, more focus on the future, and more time spent discussing employee development and opportunity. To help us understand this change better, we've asked Anita Bones to join us. Anita serves as a global practice leader, business consulting for Halogen Software. She joined Halogen in 2014 with nearly 20 years experience in consulting and professional services, the majority of which has been spent enabling client organizations to leverage the talent of their workforces to achieve desired strategic results. As a global practice leader for business consulting, Anita leads a team of talent management consultants who support Halogen's clients in the areas of recruitment, onboarding, performance management, learning and development, succession planning, organizational development, competency mapping, and change management. Her consulting experience has spanned many sectors, including IT, government, defense, retail, telecommunications, healthcare, education, logistics, and professional services. Anita holds a Bachelor of Commerce with a major in HR management from the University of Ottawa and a master's in HR management from the University of Leeds. Anita, welcome to HR Works. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here with you today. So let's start off by looking at the traditional annual appraisal. What are some of the challenges with that approach? Well, I think that the challenges are many. Um, uh, from an administrative and an operational perspective, uh, the, the work that it takes to get an annual review ready and off the ground is quite significant uh, for HR professionals. Uh, and when it gets into the hands of managers and employees, often we find that there are lots of surprises uh, in terms of uh, perhaps differences in opinions over how performance has uh, gone over the past year. Uh, annual performance reviews uh, create some rigidity or uh, fixed processes that leave it to be um, rigid when it comes to adapting or changing to changing business goals and priorities. So often we find in an annual review when we're talking about goals that are set at the start of a year and are evaluated at the end of the year, that if things have changed over time for the employee or for the business, that what was set as the objective is no longer actually uh, relevant. So that can create a bit of a, a challenge uh, to the annual review. Um, and also, because it is a point in time, there's really little insight into employee progress uh, along, the, along the way. And so that can bring with itself um, some greater biases or focus on uh, what's most recent in the mind of both the manager and the employee. And that leaves little conversation time to really talk about you know, development and skill gaps. 
And at the end of the day, the outcome can often be uh, more negative than it is positive for both the employee and the managers because they tend to spend more time talking about, um, you know, differences of opinions, differences of perceptions, or the actual score of the review rather than looking forward into the year ahead and really growing and developing an employee towards being more effective in their position. So clearly a lot of employers would like to find something else. So how does this new approach um, with more frequent performance discussions and the forward focus improve on the traditional system? Well, it's really from a, from a, from a higher level, uh, rather than the objective being uh, to result in a performance score or rating, it's meant to bring out the best in people, helping employees understand uh, how their work matters and the contributions that they bring to their organization, and focuses the conversation as to what does success look like? Um, why do your contributions matter, and how is the work that you're performing aligned to the bigger picture in the organization, whether that be departmental goals or organizational goals. And having a conversation around what it takes to be successful is a very natural tie-in to uh, development discussions and supporting the growth of the individual employee, both for the role that they're in today, uh, to meet the challenges for the year ahead, but also to start to think about how they can grow and develop their career. So this ongoing uh, approach to performance management starts with that clear expectation setting. What does it take to be successful? What development do you require? And then there's more frequent touch points throughout the years the frequency of which varies organization to organization. But this ongoing uh, activity of managing progress towards goals or updating goals as business context changes and maybe adding on to those goals some stretch assignments that allow employees to develop, allow them to see how their contributions uh, are um, mattering or uh, taking shape we really start to get into the secret ingredients for employee engagement. Uh, employees are able to make that connection between their uh, personal motivators, what they're looking for in their work, uh, and the outcomes that they're able to achieve and see how their work matters. Well, that sounds very good. How, how does an organization determine what model of performance management is going to work best for the way they do business? Well, we, we like to say that the look and feel of performance management actually depends on the unique needs of the business and the context of the business. So by that I mean uh, you may have uh, uh, an organizational context where there is, there is perhaps a regulatory uh, requirement or some um, business driver uh, that mandates or dictates that there is a formal evaluation step within your performance management cycle. And so with that, I might use the example of um, many healthcare organizations uh, across the U.S. Um, and so there needs to be an element of formal evaluation. For some organizations, the uh, cycle is a little bit more fluid and agile and can you know, take the form of conversations and check-ins uh, that are more development-based and tracking along progress uh, towards goals. So really, um, it's, it's understanding what objective, what purpose performance management serves in your organization, and then aligning activities that will help you realize that outcome you're looking to achieve. 
Well, let's say that uh, an organization decides it wants to change its system. We know that organ any organizational change is going to be difficult. And uh, I think you've said that a good plan and good communication are keys to success. But how can HR be better change management communicators uh, when one of these changes happens? And that's a good question, and it's a question that I often get asked. So um, I used to be a project manager once upon a time, and I very clearly remember the old adage, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And the same is true when we're pivoting um, what we do on performance management and our activities and our strategies. So the first is defining um, your objective. So what is the objective? To performance management in our organization um, and you know what are we looking to achieve and then defining uh, what activities will be included uh, in that performance management cycle what are we looking to pivot and or change in what we're doing today and what are we looking to do differently or introduce so having that end state in mind is really the first step and then we need to think about who is going to be involved in this process. There's a number of different stakeholders uh, when it comes to performance management. So we as HR, uh, we often define the process, we define the activities, um, we, we, we take a lot of pride in developing something that we think is really going to bring tangible business benefit and engage our employees, but we need to involve senior leaders that can help be our champions moving forward. Um, and thinking about and perhaps even talking to managers and employees about what's in it for me um, in, in their specific roles when it comes to performance management. So involving employees and all stakeholders, perhaps in the initial design, but also in how the rollout will take place, communicating what is going to be changed and why it's important, what it's bringing to the employees and the managers, and then offering support and training for employees to either work in a new way or have these new types of conversations or even just as simply as, you know, how do you use a new system? That can help build buy-in that is so essential for uh, organizational change and help start to build the roadmap forward and some momentum and excitement. Um, we also, you know, depending upon your organization and how ready you are for change, how uh, receptive you are for change, you might want to have specific milestones so you're not introducing everything with a full bang, but rather more iteratively. And maybe an example could be um, in some organizations where they're looking at pivoting um, a point in time annual review to a more ongoing process, there is uh, a quarterly sequence of new activities being introduced. So perhaps starting with uh, goal setting and uh, a new way of having more frequent manager-employee one-on-one check-ins to manage progress against goals, and then a quarterly check-in that then ties in uh, a more formalized development planning, uh, a mid-year check-in to see how are we doing, are we on track, are we off track, etc., and then culminating in a summative performance conversation, and if you need it, uh, a, a, a formal summative review. So staging out and having milestones rather than trying to do everything at once is another element that can really help drive your change forward. Well, that's great uh, advice for anyone making any kind of change, I think. So based on totally. your consulting experience, 
What, what advice do you have for HR professionals who are thinking about moving away from annual reviews uh, and going to a more ongoing conversations? All right, so good question and one that I get asked a lot. Um, and I usually lead with going back to thinking about what works for your business. Um, what is going to be uh, the best process that supports your managers in being performance coaches? Because for some managers, that is not something that comes naturally or comfortably. So it needs to be a process that supports them in having these ongoing conversations. And um, how can you engage and motivate your employees uh, in a way that um, allows them to link the work that they do to um, your, your, your organization's strategic priorities? Maybe that's through formal goal setting that is directly linked to departmental or organizational objectives. Uh, maybe it is... Um, uh, slimming down and reducing the administrative overhead on managers of an annual performance review by moving away from either a paper-based or a very long and comprehensive evaluation form to a more guided conversational approach that focuses on goal setting, development planning, and coaching along the way. Um, really, uh, it is about driving productivity, both for managers and employees, helping the conversations come naturally and less forced and in the way that employees and managers are actually talking and moving the needle forward on achieving objectives, seeing development, and boosting productivity. So simplifying, looking at what fits and what works for the rhythm of your business, and seeing where efficiencies can be uh, be gained. Well, that's great. I think maybe, and there might be an analogy uh, that I can use, if if I may. And uh, one of the things that I do outside of my work at Halogen is I actually I teach spin classes in my spare time. And one time it came to me that you know I'm up on the stage as a spin instructor, and I'm like a manager of the room, and try as I might to motivate people towards what we need to do in class. I realize that I set the conditions for people to motivate themselves. And if we think of performance management maybe in that light, you know, if managers can understand uh, how they can use these conversations to better understand their employees, better understand their motivators at work, whether uh, employees want to work on something that is perhaps larger than themselves or gives them a sense of purpose day to day in the work that they do, or maybe their personal motivators are around getting better and better at something that matters and really growing and developing their career, or perhaps their motivators are having challenging work assignments where they have the autonomy and the support to achieve the results in their own way, on their own. There's a lot of different levers that managers have as performance coaches that through performance management and setting goals and having ongoing conversations, managers can set that motivational environment for their employees to really succeed. Um, and you know, regular one-on-one meetings as part of an ongoing performance management strategy are a great way to achieve this. Well, I'm wondering, I, I expect some employees are still going to be uncomfortable with these frequent meetings. Are there any particular things mm-hmm. that HR can do 
or managers can do to help employees feel comfortable about having these regular meetings? Yes, that, that's a great question. So I can I can use my own direct experience because I have a number of direct reports and some uh, thrive on these conversations and some might uh, try to shy away from having them. But really it comes down to preparation and good communication. And so here are some tips uh, that leaders uh, can potentially use to help employees prepare for these conversations to make them seem more comfortable, to make them seem more open, um, and to really foster dialogue, two-way dialogue, because that is essential to making this approach to performance management successful. So the first is um, to encourage employees to think more about the process uh, of these one-on-one conversations. Um, That process of having a dialogue with your manager is just important as a result. So a conversation really is about an employee's performance, and it's an opportunity for employees to talk about more than just, you know, what it is that they're working on. Uh, It's an opportunity for employees to bring forward any questions that they may have, any barriers or challenges that they may be experiencing. And so letting them know that this is their opportunity to, to get those on the table or to talk about more than just the goal outcome can really foster dialogue, and this can serve to build trust in the conversations and then trust in the manager and employee relationship. Another tip would be um, to ask employees to think of uh, these conversations as a gateway to continuous learning and development opportunities. So we can encourage employees to discuss opportunities for development with their supervisors and for supervisors to talk to employees about how development can occur in many different ways and not just in formal training activities. Um, We can talk about stretch assignments. We can talk about how working on a project has enabled an employee to perhaps take on a core organizational competency or do something new that they've never done before. And in this way, um, ongoing development can be a topic of conversation on a regular basis. And both managers and employees can monitor progress and have a sense of accomplishment that they are growing and developing throughout the year and not just at those formal points where employees go on course. And then lastly, the third point is um, inviting employees to share their materials or their agenda topics in advance. I think one of the biggest complaints that we hear about conversations about performance is that it can be difficult to predict what will be discussed. Uh, And employees can do their part to avoid any surprises by sharing feedback uh, that they've received about how their progress is going towards a goal or sharing any um, questions or barriers up front to managers before they come in on the one-on-one conversations to either make the conversations more productive at moving the needle forward on goals uh, or sharing with their managers anecdotal feedback that they may not otherwise see on their uh, day-to-day activities about how an employee is progressing. So getting employees to have some skip in the game when it comes to the agenda and the discussion topics is a great way to get their buy-in and build their confidence and comfort coming into these conversations. Well, that's great advice for helping the employees. Now, how about if you have managers who were very uncomfortable with these meetings. Uh, What advice do you have for them? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the first is to ensure that they understand why coaching matters and why 
part of their role really is to be a performance coach. Employees want to learn and grow as individuals um, and uh, feel a sense of accomplishment and a sense that their contributions have uh, value to the organization beyond profitability. And having a conversation with their managers um, and having managers being open and receptive even if it's just by asking good questions and guiding employees towards their own answers to either uh, developmental uh, opportunities that they're seeking or uh, answers to challenges that they may be facing is a fantastic way for employee, uh, managers to really add value uh, and be supportive in that manager-employee relationship. I think a next tip would be also to be willing to adapt um, adapt their approach, adapt their style, and not to assume that, um, you know, a, a singular approach to managing and communicating and leading each employee uh, is the best for all. So we can have managers think about themselves as a leader, um, their communication style, their intrinsic motivators, their personal preferences for how they like to be recognized and rewarded but then recognize that not everybody on your team will, and nor should they, always share your perspective and your point of view. So, you know, understanding who you are, what your preferences are, and then take that forward to get to know your employees, both their motivators and their communication styles, and then also how they prefer to receive feedback and recognition so that you can tailor your approach to each employee and make them feel like they really matter. Um, managers, often we, we, we have a lot to do and to execute in our day-to-day -day basis. Um, and you know, when it comes to coaching and supporting our employees, that can be something that causes us a little bit of stress. But to keep in mind that our purpose is to help others grow and develop and be successful in their roles, and investing in that can actually save us time by having better collaboration, better communication, and hopefully less performance issues to adjust and fix along the way can be a great outcome of these, uh, these conversations. Um, and also, you know, give yourself room to experiment. You know, as a manager and a coach, you don't always have to provide the answers to everything. Um, you know, the, the, the emerging leadership paradigm is about co-creating answers or, you know, asking good questions to help your employees get to those, uh, those alternatives, those outcomes on their own, and you know, that can be a great way to build confidence both uh, for yourself in how you're a performance coach and for your employees in uh, um, you know, seeking the answers to any challenges that they may be facing too. This is great advice. I want to uh, ask you a couple questions about uh, ranking and rating. A lot of organizations yeah. are, are doing away with their ranking systems or their performance ratings as they move away from the traditional performance approach. So how do you feel about that? Well, I think that if it helps to eliminate some of the stress and worry about you know being scored on uh, a performance evaluation, then it's a good thing. Um, I think that there is still always going to be an element of conversation uh, in uh, a performance conversation, particularly a summative uh, review about what behaviors, what results do we want to celebrate and do we want uh, employees to keep doing, uh, as well as those that we want employees to stop doing. 
or perhaps to start doing. So for some organizations, it is an easy pivot away from scoring, away from ratings, but having some type of structure in place in the conversations and guidance for managers around how do we um, uh, acknowledge and recognize results or behaviors, competencies, skills that have helped you be successful uh, in the year that we want you to take forward in the future, what we need you to course correct, what is working against your success, or what needs to be further developed or brought to the table for you to be successful moving forward. Some organizations will still choose to do that with some type of uh, rating scale, whether it's numeric or more qualitative descriptor-based, um, and some are comfortable doing away with it altogether. As long as the focus is on moving forward and carrying behaviors forward, then I think it's a good thing uh, to describe the ratings. So if you don't have some form of ranking system, how do you make good decisions about promotion and compensation? That's a great question. And I think that uh, having, uh, going back to what I mentioned earlier in the conversation about what is your objective of performance management, um, we need to have that very clearly articulated about how does the performance process then flow into downstream activities like promotion, like succession planning, and like merit-based increases when it comes to compensation, so that you are able to identify through um, your conversations throughout the year and differentiate between performers and employees that have potential to develop, uh, and maybe that is through uh, how they have progressed and completed their development plans, how they have progressed and completed and achieved the expectations that are set out throughout the year. There can be qualitative measures or qualitative data from your performance process that can feed into those conversations. And in fact, even here uh, at Halogen, we have just come through our annual compensation cycle in the absence of having a numeric rating and have calibration conversations where managers come to the table and talk about employees who have met expectations, employees who have exceeded expectations, and employees who have missed expectations based on information that we have gathered throughout the year around progress against performance objectives or goals and development plans so that we still have an objective and, I think, fair um, uh, basis of uh, comparison when it comes to uh, making compensation adjustments based on merit that uh, is easy to communicate with employees uh, and is easy for uh, managers and HR to uh, complete and finalize compensation uh, adjustments. Some observers have suggested that if you do away with uh, ratings or rankings or if you make them a little uh, less formal, you may end up in legal trouble. For example, if you get a charge of discrimination after a termination for poor performance, yes. or if someone feels he, she, he or she has been passed over for promotion, there's, there's not going to be very much clear documentation to back up the organization's defense against those charges. So what, what advice mm -hmm. do you have about this? Well, I would actually argue that when you have ongoing performance conversations and you are tracking progress 
throughout the year, you actually probably have more information that you can lean upon in these situations. Uh, performance is a combination of both results and behaviors. And results can describe what gets done, and observable behaviors can describe how the work gets done. So if we are um, having ongoing conversations throughout the year uh, and monitoring and measuring progress against goals or what gets done and documenting that progress to demonstrate when we are on track or we are off track, we have a defensible record. And when we are tracking progress against behaviors that are required to be successful, we don't necessarily have to have a quantitative numeric rating, but having conversations uh, and having touch points where feedback is documented, progress is discussed, behaviors that need to be adjusted are identified uh, and captured through conversations and systems of record, you actually have uh, that paper trail, uh, it might be a virtual paper trail, that can help support you in uh, these types of scenarios when they do wear their head. The other thing I would suggest is that by having ongoing performance conversations where you are flagging more early in the cycle where things need to be adjusted and where people perhaps may need to pull up their socks with respect to the progress against their role expectations or what is getting done, you are potentially setting yourselves up to avoid these difficult challenges in the event that employment is terminated and you're having legal challenges. So this oh. framework really of ongoing performance conversations, while it is in purpose of driving results and increasing employee engagement, provides you more frequent opportunities to have check-ins, to document any deviations from expected outcomes and expected behaviors and give you, you know, good data uh, to um, have those conversations and defend any actions you need to take. Oh, that's great. That answers that question about legal issues, I think, very well. Mm -hmm. So uh, this has been great. Um, to sum this all up, Anita, any particular advice you'd like to leave our listeners with? Well, there's lots of advice, but I think um, I'm going to distill it down to, uh, to this, that um, being a successful manager or leader is no longer about what you're able to get out of your employees. It's really about what you can do to help them succeed as employees, as individuals, in line with what they are looking to get out of their career. And when we look at it from this perspective and the role of the manager as the performance coach, this is in turn going to help the organization to thrive because we are putting personal accountability on employees to clearly understand what is expected of them, both in terms of outcomes and behaviors, and providing them coaching and touch points along the way to help them see and understand how they're doing. And by adopting this employee-centric coaching approach, this can really empower your team to perform at their best and achieve their fullest potential. And this is really at the heart of what this trend of ongoing performance is all about. Anita, this is great. Thank you uh, so much for joining us today and providing these very helpful tips. Well, it's been my pleasure, and I thank you for inviting me to join your podcast. It's been great speaking with you today. Well, you're welcome. Listeners, uh, please let me know what HR Works should cover next.
sbruce at blr.com. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Bruce for HR Works. The opinions expressed on HR Works do not represent legal or any other type of professional advice and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice from a qualified attorney licensed in your state.